This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast that takes a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morrison. This week, we're chatting with former Bates All-American pitcher Tom Freeman from the class of 1963. It's his class's 60th reunion this weekend, and he chats with us about the legacy of his late classmate, Howie Vandersee, whose football jersey is being retired on Saturday. Plus, a recap of the 2023 IRA National Championship with rowing head coach Peter Steenstra. And we wrap up the 2023 school year with an interview with outgoing Bates President Clayton Spencer. That's coming up on the Bates Bobcast. In late December, Bates football and baseball legend Howie Vandersee from the class of 1963 died at the age of 81. This Saturday, his football jersey number 56 will be retired at Bates Reunion. Classmate Tom Freeman was one of the leaders in the drive to get Vandersee's jersey retired. The two were teammates on the Bates baseball team, and Freeman shares his memories of Howie on this week's Bobcast. Tom, first of all, take us back when you were first coming to Bates. When you first met Howie, um, I know you were obviously baseball teammates at the Bobcats, but what was your first maybe impressions of Howie when you met him? Well, we both came under similar circumstances. When we set foot on campus, we were the first in our uh, first generation in our families to go to college. We came on campus and we stood out as two tall redheads <laughs> with beanies on. You had to wear beanies in our day, and the women had to wear bibs. But anyway, uh, he started playing football right away, and uh, I didn't really get into the gym until basketball tryouts. But at that time, we crossed paths quite often and got to be friends. That's kind of how it started. Certainly. Well, I know Howie was, uh, had some legendary power um, on the baseball team, right? Um, tell us a little bit about you know, h- how much of a power hitter he was, first baseman, right? Yes, he was. And uh, when he got a hold of one, uh, <laughs> goodbye. Uh, he was so strong, big and strong. And uh, I remember a story uh, uh, when he started playing baseball for Chick. Uh, uh, he, I guess the team was having bunting practice. So Howie said to Chick, oh, should I take bunting practice? <laughs> so Chick said to him, in the four years you're here, you will never bunt. <laughs> so uh, he wanted to take advantage of his power. You know, he, he was so supportive uh, on the baseball field as well as on the football field. And his vigor and his joy of the game was equally uh, wonderful. And he uh, he always was willing to help and guide and be supportive uh, to teammates, both on the football field and baseball field. Yeah, I was going to say, Tom, I know you didn't play um, football yourself, but what was it like watching Howie um, do his thing out there back in the day when he never left the field, right? Exactly. Uh, we we all went to the games and saw number 56, uh, always in the middle of a play, whether on offense or defense. In those days, he played both ways, which it wasn't unusual, but it wasn't it wasn't a standard. So uh, he had to have the strength and stamina to withdraw the whole game. On the baseball field, he was he was just as just as avid and just as much of a team player. 
Yeah, you touched on his leadership. I mean, it seems like his leadership is really what made him special. Maybe you could expand on that a little bit and what kind of leader he was. Well, everybody knows of his his football ability, uh, but only people who played with him, either in football or baseball, were exposed to the things he did and said uh, to his teammates. And uh, as I said before, it was always encouragement, never downgrading anybody, whether they made a bad play or not. And uh, I think everyone that played with him felt that way. And from what I've read and and heard, uh, it was the same way in his coaching career, being very supportive and uh, teaching. And it certainly was evidenced by those who played for him in college because uh, to a a T, they they came back to support him, say hello to him. And uh, it, it took it exemplified everyone's respect for Howie. Do you have a favorite Howie story from his time at Bates you wanted to mention? There isn't any one story. You know what? It's a story of his life and the way he was. And we got to be dorm mates the last two years. Uh, we lived in a corner of Smith South and there were four rooms, uh, all with athletes except one had a, a the sports editor for the student newspaper. And that was how his roommate. Uh, so there were three or four football players, a couple of baseball, no, three baseball players, uh, for a total of eight altogether anyway. And uh, so it was like an enclave. Uh, and it wasn't, it was very seldom that there wasn't somebody cup coming up and downstairs either from a game or a practice. Uh, and so it yielded the great friendships that have lasted my whole life. And when you go to college, things get more serious. Uh, you belong to a team. And I always felt that the team counted on us to do our best. It was important to us not to let them or ourselves down. The concept of being a teammate was invaluable. Individually, you both had similar accolades, right? You were an All-American in baseball. He was an All-American in football. And you both attempted to play professionally. And, you know, you in baseball, he in football. But what were those parallels kind of like, you know, right after college, sort of? As you, as you noted, we both chased the brass ring of athletics after college. Howie with the Bears. And uh, myself spent four years at it with the New York Yankees minor league system. And uh, when we would get together, we'd always tell the same old war stories about our experiences in professional sports. And uh, it was fun. And uh, I won't get into my side. This isn't about me. Uh, It's about Howie. So uh, I know he, he had two or three tryouts and uh, finally tossed it in just as I did after four years. I had to get a real job. (laughs) And uh, how we we went into education and coaching, I went into the business world with IBM and spent my career there. Uh, But we would get together either 
by phone or in person at reunions, athletic events, and it was always a great experience, especially the last 15 years when we would uh, meet to play golf. We would go down to what was called the Ruchi Open in Westerly, Rhode Island. About seven or eight of us every summer would go down and play golf. And uh, most of the folks that I mentioned earlier uh, were part of that. And so we had a chance to, to meet up uh, besides just on reunions. But I will say the last dozen years, because of the advent of the internet and email, it just increased our contact and our uh, discussions, our bantering about all kinds of things on a, almost a daily basis. It was sports or it was politics, national events, families. Uh, we got to know each other's families in this group uh, just about through, through the advent of email. So uh, that further increased the bond that we all had and uh, how it was a, certainly an important part of that. He was intelligent. He was... Uh, insightful. He, he wanted to hear every side of an argument, and uh, we enjoyed his responses to whatever the issue was. And now with Howie having his football jersey number retired, I mean, obviously, I know you're going to be at reunion. Right? How how much are you looking forward to this to this ceremony? Because he's only the fourth uh, Bates football player to have his jersey retired. Absolutely. Um, I'm tremendously eager to watch uh, his family accept that award. I know he's going to be there in spirit, and I'm going to be there in his spirit. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Craig, Debbie, and uh, Sarah Jean. And uh, I might add one other thing. Back in 2016, I was inducted into the Maine Baseball Hall of Fame. Most of that was a result of Howie's efforts on my behalf. Mm. He kind of headed up letters of recommendation from four or five of my classmates or alums. He coordinated everything, put the information together, and sent it to the committee, uh, which uh, accepted it. So in some respects, this, you know, my recognition wouldn't have happened without his hard work, and uh, that's one of the reasons I sent the prospective letter to debates powers to be back in February, and asking them to consider this retirement of Howie's number fifty-six, and I was delighted when they when they agreed, and the rest is history. And uh, so on Saturday in the tent, uh, it'll be a wonderful day. Awesome. Well, any other thoughts you wanted to share? I know Howie was a big reason the class of 63 um, is pretty close, right? Um, in terms of, you know, his efforts with the um, reunion through the years, but anything else you wanted to mention about him that we haven't got to talk about? Well, uh, I would just say that back in our time, our class was only about 200 people, half men and half women. So it was, it was a situation where you got to know almost everybody, especially if you were a man, you got to know all the guys and vice versa for the women. So uh, I think it built 
a, a close relationship, uh, which Howie enjoyed and utilized uh, throughout his life. And we all tried to do that. And uh, so that was another part of his legacy uh, and being involved with reunions too. And all the work he did for the organizations uh, affiliated with football, like the the, uh, National Football Foundation, he more or less got Maine into it and and led that group uh, for 25 years. And he was also honored for many other uh, coaching uh, achievements and memberships to groups. So uh, it wasn't just the recognition from Bates. It's the recognition from the coaching community that knew and experienced his activity. Yeah, I know the National Football so, Foundation. It's the Howie Vanderstee chapter right here in Maine, so named after him. Right. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, Tom, thank you so much for joining us today on the Bobcast and looking forward to having you at reunion here this Saturday for the Jersey retirement. My pleasure. And I hope I get to meet you in person. Last weekend was the final event of the school year for Bates Athletics as the men's rowing team competed Friday and Saturday at the IRA National Championship Regatta. The Bobcats finished in third place as a team with the first varsity eight winning a bronze medal in the D3 Grand Final, the first medal at the IRA National Championship in program history. Head coach Peter Steenstra fills us in on the men's team's development throughout the season and the legacy his senior class is leaving at Bates. They certainly developed well. We were very happy with the with the result at the IRA. They got both boats really um, put down very good races, very tight finishes at the end. Having that 1V come eight one-hundredths away from pulling in front of Wesleyan was, was really exciting. And it, walking around the boatyard and stuff, here I am getting compliments from other coaches and stuff and and uh people as big as you know the top end of of ivy league and whatnot were stopping me to say that that was quite a race so you know that when you're when you're walking around and people are paying attention to the division three races you know that they're just fans of the sport so uh, that was clearly a significant performance that those guys put down and it was great to watch and uh yeah the 2v you know, they weren't chumps at all on that thing. They really, they put everything they had into it. And that boat had, uh, um, you know, we had to have a last minute change there with uh, putting Andrew Fry in. He bumped up from the 3V. Mm-hmm. And so he, he got himself into that position really well. And Kean did a good job working with that boat in the week that I was away at um, NCAAs. So uh, we had a, a little bit of a lineup change even within the guys that were already there. Um, and I think that that helped them out a little bit as well. So, whether or not it made the difference between fifth place and fourth place, I don't know, but it certainly got them a lot closer than that that medals group, and it was really exciting to watch. Excellent. And then you touched on the fact that the D3 races, obviously. This was the second year they've had a D3 race, and this is the first year they had a 2V D3 yeah. race specifically. What's the environment like for IRAs, the experience of going when it's an open regatta like it was in 2018 where you're competing against like you know harvard (laughs) and yale versus when you know you're only going up against you know boats that you normally do see throughout the year anyway yeah i mean it's obviously a very different experience yeah you know when you when you have to go through heats and reps and then uh the semifinal, um you know i'm kind of i'm doing my best to boost them up for that experience and to say you know what there is something that can happen here but uh, typically, you're kind of hoping on hoping that one of those bigger programs, someone makes a mistake, right? 
um, because that creates an opportunity. And if you're in the right place at the right time, then you can take advantage of it. Um, but this experience was more of uh, here are your peers, here are guys that you're that are similar to you and in, in their experience and and their size and their strength. And and this is a, a group that's a good measurement of who you are. Um, and these are the people you want to compare yourselves to. So instead of it being kind of like a shoot for the stars and land on the moon type thing, this is clearly a, a, a race where we should expect to be competitive and the hope is to be you know competing for that top spot someday. You mentioned the seniors in a write-up about the regatta. Tell us a little bit more about what they've meant to this program. Yeah, the seniors, um, they've, it was a small group, but they really did a good job even uh, you know I'll, I'll say that like Sam Marchman who came in um, he started as a sophomore I believe and so he had no rowing experience and he was a good athlete just naturally um, and he brought something to the to that group which was some some age and some maturity and some wisdom and some stoicism and um, he just sat there and, and pulled hard and came in and asked good questions and and he was a solid member of the program um, I can, I can go on and on about uh, about uh, Aiden Braithwaite there, uh, Brady. Um, that's a tough role to be a coxswain, and he did grow quite a bit from beginning to end, to the point that at the end here, um, with those top coxswains, I give them a lot more responsibility than um, even the younger coxswains. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm treating them like an assistant coach they have to run a practice when i'm not around um and kian obviously was with 2v or 3v or 4v or whatever other boats he was dealing with so there were a number of occasions where brady was out on his own with that first boat and on top of that he had uh first years in on board there you know and so when you have that type of youth within the boat talent no no doubt high, high level of talent but there's youth there and so it requires that sort of constant um, supervision, <laughs> I think is a good way to put it. Yeah. And you don't want to put it all on the captains that may or may not be on board. You want to have a coxswain who can run the show from that seat, and that's exactly what Brady did. And I'm, I'm just very pleased with uh, the man he became, so to speak, and, and I think he did a good, good job. And Bates and BMAC, um, we can talk forever about those two, but – they were a good pair. Um, they worked well to do, together as captains. They each had their own strengths. Um, you know, uh, Timmy did a good job as far as learning some something about being vulnerable, being honest, being open with with me and with his teammates. Um, he he started to realize that uh, he doesn't have to do it all by himself, and was able to to take some you know some time in order to make sure he was going to be the best he could be come race day. Um, and BMAC, you know, he's just, he's, he's an old soul and, and he's that little guy that sits in bow who just, there was no question as to whether or not he was going to be in that position because he put everything he had into it. He got himself into a competitive spot through the ergometer, but just who he is as a sculler and a small boat specialist, he was, he was the, the, you know, guaranteed person for that bow seat because he just, just does such a good job up there and provides such a great amount of leadership and just very impressed with him. 
Excellent. So obviously for you as a coach, obviously you touched on this, how you have NCAAs for the women, and then a week later you have IRAs for the men. Mm-hmm. At least they weren't the same week this year. I think one year they were the same week. But, um, you know, you rely a lot on your assistants, but maybe tell us a little bit more about how you balance, you know, these two big regattas, you know, at the very end of the year here. Um, well, I, I think we're doing okay with balancing it. I wouldn't say that we've got it completely figured yeah. out. It helped a lot that they were both in New Jersey. Sure. So ha- having one in Florida versus one in New Jersey, and even if they were uh, separate weeks, it would still be a real challenge. Yeah. This um, so much depends on not just the assistant coaches. Obviously, Keenan and Carly do a phenomenal job, and then the Coxes as well. It requires a lot from them, but the team in general, right? Um, Unfortunately, this is always going to be the setup where it's either going to be the same weekend or it'll be NCAA's first followed by IRA. And we know that um, in 2025, if we're if we're lucky enough to get there again, it's going to be in Sacramento, California. Mm. So we could have <laughs> the NCAA could be the week before someplace like Florida or who knows where. I'm, I'm sure it's listed i just haven't looked this far ahead um and then the ira out on the west coast that's going to be a real difficult thing to pull off is how do i be in three places at once um so it all just depends on that maturity of the team and quite frankly if i've done my job properly then they really don't need me at either race they can do it all on their own the assistant coaches know exactly what to do and what adjustments need to be made or not made um, it, it turns into just pure management of people and, and really um, I think that we've done such a a good job preparing them to begin with that uh, come that time of year either they're in a good position to fight for that spot or or they're not and I don't think my presence is going to really make the big difference. Great. So what's your focus on this summer here preparing for the fall season that the rowing teams get to have? <laughs> got to get the lawn mode for one thing yeah me too (laughs) been away for 14 days and it (laughs) rained in the middle so we didn't didn't have a whole lot of extra time um well no it's it's um kind of wrapping everything up quite honestly and there's a lot of awards out there that Mm -hmm. a lot of recognition to be to be sort of plugged for so we're, we're working on getting all that stuff done uh the team once again brought a bunch of trophies and things into the office so i gotta get all those updated um yeah. but yeah no it, it's it's mostly recruiting and and doing all the things that that we do all summer long fixing equipment oh, yeah. getting all that stuff done yeah the 2v vote for the women got a little dinged up so a little bit of, yeah. yeah a little bit of a love tap there yeah. uh, going into the starters block but uh just cosmetic sure <laughs> well any other thoughts you want to share on ira so we haven't got to talk about yet um who you're I can't say that uh, there's something pressing. Uh-huh. I, I just, I'm just so impressed with the men's team at the moment. Um, we have a lot of youth, and it, it's so encouraging to first just get to that spot, but then have a, a team that showed that there's some some uh, dynamic aspect to them. They have the ability to change. They have the ability to react to what's going on around them. Um, I think if there's something we're working on a little bit, it's being fully bought into the program and fully bought into their teammates. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a standard thing that happens when you bring in a, a large group of first years. So 
as that's developing, I think that this program has a long way to go upward and, um, you know, to end on, to, to be third in the country, right, uh, in Division III, uh, and to say that we have a long way to go up. Uh, I, I think that this group, this current group, or the with the incoming freshmen that we've got coming in, really has the ability to, to get into that top spot if they want to. To wrap up the final Bobcast of the school year, we sit down with outgoing Bates president, Clayton Spencer, to wrap up her tenure at Bates and look towards the future. Well, on the season finale of the Bobcast, we are happy to have president of Bates College, Clayton Spencer, who is stepping down after a decade plus of great leadership here at Bates. And Clayton, thank you, first of all, so much for joining us. I know we've had you on a few times before, but really appreciate having you here. Just to start, I'm curious, you know, after a decade plus here, stepping away, you know, the connection between higher education and athletics is something that people talk about a lot. And I just kind of was curious about your viewpoint. Has it has it changed much over the years or is it pretty similar to what you thought kind of coming in? Sure. Well, the first thing to say about that connection between education and um, athletics is that it's a distinctly American tradition. If you go over to Europe or England or whatever, the Ted Lasso thing is ha- happening somewhere else and the, you're at the university to study. There's a little bit of sports here and there, but not the big sports machine of American higher education. And it's particularly important in the NESCAC, which is because it's Division Three, but excellent Division Three athletics at a place like Bates or any of the colleges in the NESCAC allow for that scholar-athlete experience and a team experience that's integrated into the liberal arts culture in a way that is enriching both for the athletes and students themselves and for the college as a whole. It's really important if you're a NESCAC college to have a strong athletics program. It's big in terms of recruiting because we have a lot of students who come wanting to have their their really good, curious students with high ambitions who don't plan to be professional athletes after college, but they want that collegiate experience. And I think the NESCAC and the liberal arts is the quintessential version of that. Excellent. I know we've seen you, obviously, at many Bates Athletic Sporting events through the years. I'm curious about some of your favorite memories of watching the Bobcats in action. Wow. That's a tall order because there have been lots of highlights. So let me just crank back in my mind here. Okay. 2017 undefeated regular season for men's lacrosse with Charlie Fay and the gang tearing up the turf on Garcelon Field. I don't think I missed a single game home then. I even traveled to go watch them. Um, It was amazing. And I didn't know anything about lacrosse, but I sat with the extremely committed Bates lacrosse parents, and they taught me everything I know, and I've become a real fan as a result. Another thing, lower key maybe, I love seeing our women's cross-country track students in the afternoons or in the early mornings running out in packs like out College Street the full distance. As far as I'm concerned, they probably go to Sabatis to train. And we have had a history of an excellent track and field and cross-country teams. And it has been definitely a factor the whole time I've been here. Last fall, I was super excited to see 
the football team come alive. I think you can correct me, Aaron, but I think they had three wins this year in the first year of Coach Matt Coyne, who is on it. I mean, he is totally all in. He was playing last year, got three wins without even having his own recruits. Right. This year, he's done an amazing job recruiting, and I am super excited to sneak back over to Bates and watch those football games this coming fall. Another huge highlight was earlier in my tenure watching the Del Pesh twins, Marcus and Malcolm, playing for John Furbush and men's basketball, went to all those games, and they were awesome So awesome, in fact, that they've spent the last six years playing professional ball in Europe and England. And I was excited to see the other day that they are coming back to Bates this summer to coach in Coach Furbush's summer camp. So I think that's great. And I am bummed that I'm not going to be here to see them. Um, although I may be, I think maybe they're coming this month. I might, I might get in one more, one more look at the Delpesh twins before um, I leave on June 30th. Another thing that has fascinated me, but I have not yet conquered, is trying to figure out how volleyball works. <laughs> I go in there; those women are so athletic; it's awesome. Um, but I haven't quite figured out. Uh, it seems like you can only hit the ball three times and then you better get it on the other That's, side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um, and then of course there's women's rowing and men's rowing, which is great. But the women have been national champions five times. Our women's varsity two, I think, just won its ninth goal yep. in a row. So that is pretty darn cool. And one of my favorite parts about women's rowing is. There have been any number of commencements where the women have had to be away that weekend for the national championships. And the big question is, can they get back in time to walk across the stage? So a few times I've been sitting there, we get to the end of the alphabet, and then these very tall, strong-looking women appear at the back of the line, and it's the rowers who are seniors who've just gotten back, and I have the pleasure of giving them their diplomas. And then, because I'm a basketball nut, grew up in North Carolina basketball country, I got to call out women's basketball, the NESCAC championship, with the incredible trio of Megan Graff, Mia Roy, and Ari Dahlia leading the whole season. That was an amazing year. And I was down at the game in Hartford. Megan cut me off a piece of the net, which I have in the process of moving from the president's house to my new house. And I have that sort of secured away so that it will not, that little piece of net will not get lost in the move. So it's been a source of pure joy to to watch athletics while I was at Bates. Yeah, absolutely. That was such an awesome year last year um, and really felt like a real breakthrough um, for you know Bates Athletics and with the women's basketball team winning that title. In terms of the future, though, of Bates Athletics, right? I mean, we have incoming president Gary Jenkins. What would you or have you said to him about, um, you know, what he can expect in terms of, you know, and what's important about, you know, athletics at Bates? Because we 31 varsity sports, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. Well, I have a rule with my incoming successor, Gary Jenkins, who I think will be fabulous, um, and that is I'm not going to answer any question he doesn't ask me. 
And right. guess what? He asked me about athletics. And it's very clear he understands the importance and the role of athletics in a NESCAC college. So I admitted frankly to him, I wish I'd made a lot more progress in terms of fundraising for athletics, for making sure we've got our coaching staffs solidly supported and secured, improving our facilities. And I think that's already on his list as an early priority. I don't want to speak for him, but it certainly was a priority that Eric Fouché in advancement and I have been pounding away on this year. So I know he gets the plot. Excellent. And then I know I heard you say the other day you might be sneaking into alumni gym for some basketball games. So we're hoping to, you know, see you possibly in disguise around campus. I don't know. <laughs> uh, at some sporting events. But I'm, tr- I'm curious, you know, having watched the coaches in action through the years, right? I mean, what do you kind of maybe learn from watching them manage their teams and about, you know, and I know you say it's one of the most challenging professions around, right? Yeah. What I have come to understand by being really closely involved in the athletics here is I think coaching is one of the hardest jobs on any college campus because you have to have a technical mastery of the sport, like the X's and O's, how to run plays, etc. But you also have to be really, really good at motivating human beings which means starting with being curious about what matters to them, paying attention to them, and athletics is a very emotional zone. And how do you keep a player who may not be getting all the playing time but is absolutely key to how the team works in practice and gets ready for games? How do you create a positive team culture where everybody is pulling for everybody else? How do you figure out how to operate in the clutch? Because if you're, you could be a good coach and a good recruiter. Recruiting is also a very complex undertaking, especially when you don't have athletic scholarships. So how do you get out and see the developing high school players? How do you know who's going to convert into a good college player? You may recruit somebody, they may get injured. I mean, it is very complex. I think it's way easier to be a college president, let me tell you, (laughs) than being an athletic coach. But I've learned a lot from them. We even had Allison Montgomery, the coach of the women's basketball team, come to talk to our senior managers at Bates in the President's Council, which is a group of about 80 people. And we had her give a presentation on leadership. And honestly, it's one of the best presentations I've heard in my 11 years at Bates. So I'm learning every day from them. Awesome. Well, um, just to wrap things up, kind of any other thoughts, you know, you wanted to share about your time as as Bates president from an athletics perspective or not, uh, you wanted to mention that we haven't got to talk about yet? You know, I think we've covered (laughs) how I think about athletics. I, I should also say I've had equally wonderful experiences going to theater productions. I love when students write to me. So I'm just, if any students hear this, tell you to write to Gary Jenkins and say, would you come see my play? Mm. It's really fun. Dance concerts. I didn't know a lot about dance. I spent some time with Carol Dilley, who was head of the dance program, and she educated me. Lectures. I just think a liberal arts campus is such a wonderful playground for curious people who like to learn. And I have 
thoroughly enjoyed every aspect of the experience. Excellent. Outgoing president of Bates College, Clayton Spencer, thank you so much for joining us once again on the Bobcast. Thank you, Aaron. You do a great job with this. This is the final episode of the Bobcast for the school year, but we'll be back in the fall. Thank you all for tuning in all season to the Bates Bobcast. Bates, Bates, my